we should all now take the opportunity to sit and make the mind and heart still. We might ask ourselves why we take on this formal practice of meditation. Why do we work to still the mind and bring it to calm? We would answer that if we look carefully at our experience during the day, we observe that we are constantly engaged in papancha or mental proliferation, thinking of the past, imagining the future, doubting the present, and giving rise to countless scenarios and views all based on very little evidence or experience. Small issues become big and take on a disproportionate weight in the mind and the heart. We may think about something happening in the future and worry over it or hope for it, but then when it comes, we frequently experience it as completely different than we'd expected. Much of the time, what we fear or hope for is nothing like we think it will be. And so the Buddha, knowing this, taught us to remain as much as possible in the present. That to be here and now for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, to remain as much as possible in this present moment is a powerful practice and can allow us over time to see the truth of our experience more and more clearly. During daily life, most of us, all of us, engage in the usual activities of walking, sitting, eating, drinking, speaking, remaining silent. We engage in all the usual motions of the body. And yet many of us do so with no knowledge or awareness of what we're doing, almost like automatons. We're not mindful of each motion and action, and our sati, or mindfulness, does not keep up with our daily activity. However, if we maintain a measure of sati, or mindfulness, in our daily activities, then we carefully track and become more and more familiar with all of these actions of the body, all the simple motions we go through in a day, and with the present moment itself, we begin to see the body as almost a puppet. The brain gives orders and moves the various organs, 
limbs, parts of the body via the nervous system. And the body follows these orders and executes them. And this is how our daily activities proceed. However, if one has a stroke or a problem in the brain, then we see the delicacy of this connection, the separation of the chitta, the mind, and the body itself. When one undergoes a stroke, illness, or some similar tragedy, then the, ma the mind gives orders, but the body won't carry them out. And suddenly it becomes painfully clear how the body and the mind are two separate things. When they're brought apart in this way, it becomes readily apparent. So understanding the frailty of our body and our dependence on it, we dedicate ourselves to practice. We begin with the basics, sila of morality, dana, which is giving, sacrifice. And we make these practices, these, basi these basics, regular and habitual. It comes to the point where we've become so accustomed to giving that even just thinking of the act of giving, of wanting to give, gives rise to sukha or pleasure. Our teachers have showed us the power of such practice, of such sacrifice. There's a story of a teacher named Longpur Buna, a disciple of Longpur Kao, who was 55 years old um, and had extremely strong and firm samadhi or stillness of mind. He could fast for 45 days at a time and his practice was as sincere as they come. When he was a layperson before ordination, he had built this basis of sacrifice, of giving in his daily life. He dedicated his savings to construct an uposita hall, a boat, a, a meditation hall. And his giving was generous and bound also with wisdom. It had both the aspects of free giving and uh, clear seeing. He saw as he was constructing this meditation hall, one of the workers was a pregnant woman and he ordered his employees to give her twice the regular pay saying that they should be paying for the woman's work, but also for the child, which was currently in her uterus, that 
it was two people, not just one. And this is an example of free, open-handed giving and of a powerful sort of wisdom, of a, an open-heartedness which serves as a true basis for all future insight and practice. It's a very beautiful thing. Similarly, when he eventually went on a pilgrimage to India, to the Bodhi tree, he bowed and he experienced a vision of the Buddha. This was so powerful and moving that it catalyzed, it began uh, or firmed up his intention to give himself completely to the practice. And on returning to Thailand, he went forth into the Sangha and practiced under some of the most well-known teachers of that time, Longpur Kao, Longpur Fun, Longpur Chob, Longpur On, Longpur Bat, Basot, and others. All of this practice, all of his path was started with this quality or these qualities of dana, namely sacrifice and giving and sila, morality. It's a basis for the mind. When we learn and accustom ourselves to give, to sacrifice in this way, the mind feels at ease. It's clean and clear and free of regret. And it's ready to practice to meditate and also to do, to do good at the slightest notice. When someone with such a mind sits, then pity and sukha, rapture and pleasure arise, and they're able to stay with their kamatana or meditation object. Once these bases have been established, then the formal meditation practice develops we might take up as our kamatana or meditation object the breath or a suba, namely the contemplation of the unattractive nature of the body. We might separate out the various elements that the body is composed of, earth, water, fire, and air. And if we do divide the body into such elements, then the chitta becomes distinct as well from those four. We see clearly the separation. Such kamatana or meditation object is a skillful means to bring the mind to lucid calm. And the concentration that arise from such wholesome kamatana the Buddha designated as Sama Samadhi or right concentration. And such Samadhi is based on right speech, on right action, on these elements of sila and giving, on the whole of the Eightfold Path. This Eightfold Path begins little by little. We may at first only have small victories over our defilements or kilesa. Yet even small triumphs over these taints in the heart are 
significant in that they let us for one brief moment contact emptiness to feel or see a degree of emptiness. And the mind that feels even briefly this freedom experiences great faith and dedication to the practice. It's a great blessing. So in cultivating this Eightfold Path, we engage in the essentials of our daily practice. We go to morning chanting, evening chanting. We pay respects to the Buddha every day. We praise the triple gem, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha as often and regularly as possible, every day. This is our duties, our duty as Buddhists, whether we are monastics, novices, upasikas, upasikas, lay and female, uh, male and female lay disciples. We understand that this is the basic, the basis of our practice. As we chant and engage in these daily devotions, we might also contemplate and begin to see the inherent frailty of our lives, how our life is not a sure thing. And if we engage in such contemplation, then we see if our mind is peaceful and imbued with a degree of samadhi or lucid calm, we see truth very easily. We might experience and see the truth of the body, how it's frail and decaying and will not last. And when we see this truth of the inconstancy of the body with the calm and centered mind, then we also see Dhamma. And the mind becomes or experiences Buddha. From a state of such calm, everything in nature teaches us whether they be the mountains, the rivers, the forest, all teach us anicca or inconstancy. Everything around us is decaying. Metal, brick, building, all of it is fading before our eyes. And when we see with the clear heart such decay, then it gives us not discouragement and does not seem like a morbid thing, but rather it gives us profound faith in the practice and dedication towards the path. When we see these truths from the peaceful mind imbued with samadhi, then we perceive clearly the drawback of all sankhara, conditioned phenomena, especially the body the heart and mind gather and knowledge, clear knowing arises. We see that every life 
is interwoven with aging, sickness, and death, that all beings are subject to the same, and that all animals and humans, all beings in the world, are subject to this fate, to passing away. Such knowledge is not discouraging. It gives rise to rapture and great dedication to this path and profound faith. We want to meditate, to walk, to sit, to work towards freeing ourselves from this realm. At the beginning of our practice, we experience the ups and downs of faith. Sometimes we want to practice with dedication and other times not. This is normal. But when a vision of truth of this intensity has arisen in the heart, then there's no more wavering. Our faith is firm and secure and does not change. So please have faith in the practice, whether one is a monk, a layperson, we must continue every day to give ourselves to the practice and all activities to keep mindfulness, to speak little, especially if we're a, mon a monastic. We have the opportunity because the laity have generously given all we need and our duty is just to practice as much as we can to maintain sati or mindfulness. We should sleep little all day in the tr and night uh, within a 24 hour period, not sleep more than about five and a half hours. If we sleep too much, we become drunk on it. And this is even more so the case if we also eat too much. In the world, they speak of becoming intoxicated with drink and drugs. But if one stuffs himself with food, it has the same effect. And so we must work to eat little or eat just enough to sleep little and to continue on this path. Many laity work all day, wake at 3 a.m., and this is praiseworthy. It indicates great spiritual barami, paramita, or great spiritual qualities. And it's enough in such case with such dedication that they may even see the Dhamma. They may have this same penetrating wisdom I've been speaking of arise. And wisdom, bhavanamaya panya, the wisdom from practice, may come into their hearts. Such a wisdom comes from the lucid calm of samadhi. And it's not a thought, but rather a clear and spontaneous knowing that transforms the heart and gives rise to a vision of everything surrounding one and one's life as anicca, anatta, and dukkha, inconstant, not self, and suffering. So, in the service of this path and with the intention of achieving such vision, 
I encourage all present to give themselves sincerely to the practice and rejoice in the fact that they've gathered here to meditate together. <laughs>